It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello everybody and welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast, the podcast that is genuinely baffled as to why anyone really wants to have their photo taken with a referee. Yeah. yeah. Why? Straight when did this back. become a thing? Photos with referees? <laughs> Fuck's sake. It's like, ref- I know referees are humans too, but like if they're just, you know, having a, a few beers after a hard day in the office, why do we have to turn them into sort of weird celebrities? You know, and and if we are to turn him into weird celebrities, why are we trying to turn Yako Piper into a weird celebrity? Of all the yeah, people, yeah, there are plenty of refer- there are plenty of referees in the world that are quite happy to try and turn themselves into celebrities on their own backs. So, why that we've we've suddenly plucked poor little Jacko Piper, tiny little Yako, and and sort of thrust him into the limelight of stardom? I just think it's unfair. Ridiculous. Anyway. I'm Lee. Hello, everybody. And over there is... Uh, I'm Josh, still. You can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. And Josh is available at... Yep. Uh, at Josh Gardner. Uh, at Rugby Shirt Watch. And indeed, shirtwatch.com. Fantastic. We are on Acast and iTunes and whatever else you can find your podcast. You know that because you're listening. Mm. So, But tell your mates. If you're going to yeah. tell your mates to listen, yeah. tell them that we're available anywhere where you can get podcasts from. 
because that's revolutionary yeah, news. Podcast the soul. That is us. Yeah. We are also on patreon.com slash blood and mud. Patreon.com slash blood and mud for will. all you lovely people who help us out with a little bit of extra each month. And for that, for that, you do get a little bit of direct messaging. And you also get some extra episodes about history and some nostalgia stuff and previews and stuff like that. And then you can do the normal $2, and we're massively appreciative of that and all the people that do that. But then there's also the VIP lounge for those people oh. who wish to become just a little bit closer, cheek by jowl with us, I would say, <laughs> um, in the VIP lounge. We're all lined up, cheek by jowl. And the people who've chosen to do that since we were last on are the great people are Davey Ferguson, Kai Hi. Kelly, Emma Park, and a special, special shout-out to Alistair McFadden, you little tinker, because you've upped your contribution <laughs> in the VIP lounge, haven't you? You've gone above oh, what the, the minimum requirement for no other reason See, than people... you just like us, I'm, I'm guessing. Either way, it's wonderful. People like that I both love and I'm slightly intimidated by in equal measure because it's like, oh, there's expectation now, you know? That is true. It's However... Like... But thank we, you anyway. It doesn't stop yeah. us thanking you, Alistair, because no, you are a great, great doesn't. man. Indeed. We'll start with a player spotted as we do before we talk quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. We'll start with a player spotted. John Cahill, or is it Cahill? I'm going to say Cahill, gets in touch on the direct messages. He says, a second-hand player spotted from my eldest at Tigers versus Wasps earlier this year. My son vanished to empty his bladder pre-game and found himself sharing a urinal trench with none other than Ben Kay. Hello. An innocuous meeting, you may say, but when questioned, my son had no recollection of Mr. K washing his hands. My worry oh, now, see. he says, and we've had this before, I think, rugby players not washing their hands in the toilet. But anyway, John goes on to say, my worry now is that apart from his piss-soaked digits adorning the BT Sport microphone, now there's a thought. Mm. It's soaking into the windscreen foam. Oh, dear. He said, somebody this... else has got to use that, you know? They have, you know? He'd have to hand it off to Sarah Elgin or something. And he's, you know, oof. Oh, no, you don't want to see that. He says, but John also says, but is this the same hand moisture that caused him to drop, the ball to drop from his aquatic grip in the 03 Rugby World Cup final? I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he That's pissed on really his fingers at any point during that game, but you never know, do you? You never know. Maybe he was doing a, maybe he was doing a bit of a sort of less intense Gary Lineker on the side of the pitch. And obviously, you know, there are no facilities A bit of jingle there. jangle. A bit of jingle jangle. And then, you know, we just have to, sh to shake it off and get on with it. And some some stray droplets got into the hand terror. You know, because you know, rugby shorts are, are you know, a, a tight form-fitting thing. Certainly in 2003 when England went a bit mental Relatively heavy cotton as well. So there's a lot of absorption. Exactly, very heavy, firm cotton. Yeah, exactly. And also just, you know, getting your old fella out of there. You know, there's this is... It's a... It's, you in know, time, it's, it's, get it's him out in time. Nightmare. Or exactly. the other problematic thing us fellas suffer from, putting them away too soon. Ah, When you yeah, kind of say to him, are you done? Clear. Yes, yes, I'm done. Are you, are you sure you're done? Yes, I'm done. And then you put him away and he goes, and he goes aha, pisses all over. Ah, you a little bit more, yeah. Especially if, you know, a, a tight, you know, elasticated waistband sort of pressing around the, the bladder area can cause, you know, things to sort of not come out as rapidly as they should do. Maybe there was a bit of a... For who knows? There simply aren't enough rugby podcasts that cover, you know, micturation yeah. in this in this this level of detail, is there? Let's be honest. Did Ben K have pissy hands in the two thousand and three Rugby World Cup final? 
Why not write we to us and tell us what you think yeah. about how pissy Ben K's <laughs> hands were or other pissy related things. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that, John, I think. Anyway. Uh, yeah, just about, yeah. Do we need to talk about the quarterfinals of the Rugby World Cup that happened this weekend? I'm going to say yes, but I'll throw it open. (laughs) I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, on balance, I'd imagine that people would be expecting more of that than they would be Ben K. Pisshands chat. Indeed. Well, I mean, so I'm sure they'll be expecting I never cease to be surprised by our listeners. However, I think I'll have to agree (laughs) with that one. Yes. Uh, I actually, just before we go on to that, I actually spotted uh, some players this week. Again? Um, quite a few of them actually, because I went to watch Bristol and Bath. On, I went to watch Bristol and Bath on Friday night. So, oh yes, you did, didn't um, you? But I did. I did see. Weirdly, I was. Uh, did you see our, our God? The, yes. Did you see the man? The absolutely, man I did. I didn't see. I didn't see him up close. Sadly, weirdly, you know that sort of thing where like people hang around by changing rooms to get like player autographs after the game, etc. Yes. I sort of unwittingly ended up there because I was having a beer with my mate Paul uh, in the very nice pizzeria that they now have in Ashton Gate, which I mean, is in itself. Not something you'd expect. No, but it's very nice. It's very big, spacious, nice bar area. I was enjoying a nice beer with, uh, you know, some some locals who'd, uh, one of whom deeply regretted having three kids and uh, made me promise to stop at two should we ever get there. Um, And weirdly it appears that the away changing room comes out directly into this bar because i was just standing there and there was a sort of nondescript like fire door area and all of a sudden i just glanced to my right and there was jamie roberts who still looked exactly as jet lagged as a man who <laughs> got off a plane at some point from japan this week still doesn't know which time zone he is but was somehow on the bench on friday night um and then I saw various other Bath players, including um, Zach Mercer and some other people I didn't recognise. Did but they have the good grace thinking, to look? Oh as... fuck! Is this? They didn't look quite. They did look quite crestfallen. I'll yeah, be honest. So did they have the good and grace to look ashamed? Because they should have done. Looked looked, looked beaten men. But uh, yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, maybe we'll get some Alibrew action here, but didn't appear. Well, Must have gone out another door, or or Jamie Roberts. He's too fucking. He's too. He's too extra to be coming out into the pizzeria. He's got his own en- entrance and exit. <laughs> well, it makes me think. Like, does did Jamie Roberts lead a small cadre of Bath players the wrong way out of of the changing rooms? And <laughs> well, then because he's such a leader, they couldn't, they couldn't disagree yeah, with they him. They just followed him. Yeah, and they were like, "Oh fuck!" Um, but yeah, they they you know they signed some autographs, which. I mean, given the absolute battering they just had, I'd absolutely be wanting to get out of there as quick as possible. So fair play to them. Do you want me autograph, mate? No, I want you to write a written fucking apology to me, kid. You just had to watch that, <laughs> you bastard. Yeah. Anyway, to the quarterfinals. Yes. What did we to think as a whole, as, as an offering of the I pinnacle mean, of world rugby for the weekend? I mean, certainly on pure outcome, everything went as you'd have expected, really. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen, yes. Yeah. Um, you as know, a collection of games, games were... were you happy with them? Not really. <laughs> tell me tell me there was one genuinely good game amongst those those there were there were there were very good performances. There was some tension and drama, but in terms of actual 
good quality games of rugby, I'm genuinely not sure we saw one <laughs> over the course of the weekend. We I had think two we saw some genuinely good... I think New Zealand put in a genuinely outstanding performance. Yeah. They were Whether good it made for a good rugby game, I agree, but it yeah. was a genuinely outstanding like, performance. Yeah, and I feel like England put in a very good performance, mm. and I feel like the Springboks put in a very good performance. Um I don't think either of those were particularly good games. You know, England's Australia was sort of just like watching somebody punch themselves in the face for eighty minutes. In that sort of, well, you know, well, that sort of thing. Well, where you segued like, into that. Bull- we will, we yeah, will start with about, this. Let's yeah. talk about England. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. Only because like, it's just, chronological. Like, yeah. I'm not being that guy. We're going chronological. No, no, no. You know that sort of thing in school where like the bully grabs the like weedy kid's hands mm. and like punches him in the face with it and says, "Why are you punching yourself?" That was basically England for 80 minutes against Australia because it was sort of, it was half self-inflicted and half just England were much 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 better team than them. Let's be honest. The first 10 minutes, I was quite worried because Australia came well, flying yeah. out of the blocks. The set piece was all right. I mean, everyone, you know, the, the, I, I think mean, this, this, you can this, always tell the casual rugby fan, can't you? Turns up and goes. I mean, that Australian scrum's bad, isn't it? It's like no, and it hasn't been for ages. No, no. When did you last watch a game of rugby? Now, fuck off, yeah. out of my sight. <laughs> And that's in many ways the most. If I was an Australia fan, I would be so fucking frustrated by what transpired on the pitch on Saturday because fundamentals are fine. Like they've got a solid set piece now. Mm-hmm. Their line out is okay, and you know defensively they're not even that bad either. Like they're relatively okay organizationally, mm-hmm. and they've got and they've got a nice blend of experience and youth in that squad. And yet. <laughs> And yet, their game plan they, was set up perfectly insane. to lose to England. It's almost Quite like they designed the yeah. perfect game plan to lose to England because now England are not a great rugby team at the minute, right? But other than New Zealand, there is not a team in the world I'd want to lose possess- transition possession to within 30 Absolutely. metres of my yeah. own line than England. And Australia's <laughs> entire fucking plan. Of for some reason running, Christ knows how many phases out of their own twenty-two. So England just sat there and went, the "Yeah, fucking ball." <laughs> like a number of times, I was just sitting, I was sitting there, like, and you know, it was fucking seven o'clock in the morning. I was sat in bed with the telly on mute, you know, hmm. while my wife and my cat sensibly slept. <laughs> and I sit, I, I think I, should, I, I woke her up at one point because I was just like, "Kick a fucking ball, just kick it." <laughs> I love the fact what that you doing? with the headphones on, that have been no, that would have been apropos yeah. of nothing. Just you, just you, sort yeah. of slightly squealing that. That's ace. Yeah. But like, see, like their ex, like the exit strategy from the twenty-two was the most. Could you call it a strategy? Like, Could you call it a strategy? Yeah, well, well, I call it. I wouldn't. There is. There was. This is the thing I can't understand. Right, set pieces take practice and work on the training field to be good at. Yes. Right. So do lineouts and defence. Sure as shit, needs a lot of work to be good at it. And yet, so all three of those facets of the game, Australia clearly work very hard on. And yet, when it comes to an attack, they rely. And it was the same against Wales, to be honest. They rely almost exclusively on individual brilliance. They just say, "Let's pass it about a bit until one of our good players does something unexpected." And I mean, at least against Wales, they sense they kicked the ball away. <laughs> you know, they yes, 
if they, if they, I mean, I don't think I'm not saying that Wales are as good a team as England because I genuinely don't think they are. But like, if Australia had just done what they did against that against Wales, it would have been exactly the same result. Or South Africa, or like any team with a good defence and organisation, if you just run through phase after phase of directionless fucking side to side rugby within twenty meters of it, your own line, within twenty meters of your own line, eventually something very fucking bad is going to happen to you. And it happened lots, <laughs> particularly at the end. Because well, Owen Farrell's not got... the best 10 in the world, but you give him the ball with a few runners that far out, with England's runners, oh, and it's all over. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. All it took was, you know, possession spilled or turned over in some way. Owen Farrell passes it to Billy Vunipola, who smashes through a huge fucking hole in the defence. And then you've got streaming England players running in to score yet another try. And, yeah, it was just, you know, as a, in inverted commas neutral, you know, if anybody ever can be neutral at this stage of the World Cup, really, you know, like, I wanted to, like, I know I said that I thought England would win quite comfortably in our preview pod, but, like, A, I didn't think it'd be that easy, and B, I kind of wanted to watch a game. <laughs> if I was getting up at 7 o'clock in the fucking morning, I wanted to watch a good game of rugby. It was kind of a game until half-time, and so the first 20 minutes, mm. and, and, and basically any time Australia managed to get the ball to Corribetti, who, poor bastard, because if there was ever yeah. a player who deserved better, better than that around that, him. yeah, Absolutely. Well, David Pocock deserves better than that, because David Pocock was playing his fucking ass off trying to keep this thing together. He was over everything. He was making life, you know, for all the possession England had, he was making life so hard for them at the breakdown and slowing down so much ball and just being an absolute bastard in his last appearance in a Wallaby shirt. And for all of that to basically be wasted by the fact that the attacking game plan was just, I mean, there wasn't one. Let's be honest. There was no game plan. It's such a, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I think it's quite harsh the way. I think that what the thing is, I think there was a game plan. That's the thing. I think this is how they play because it's consistently been like this for quite some time, and it's almost Mm. like um, there's a lot of kind of oh, if that had gone the same in the Wales game, you know, if that had gone our way and if that had gone our way, we could have won that game. It's like yeah, but when you extrapolate that out, Mm. you keep losing all these games. There's something of the Scotland about them. Do you know what I mean? That actually it looks like it should be okay. So actually, there's something going quite well. But ultimately, it ends up not doing most of the time. They're a team that when it clicks and everything clicks, they've got, you know, the other facets of their game are solid enough that when they're attacking game, everything works and everybody's on the same page through luck as much as anything else. You know, they beat the All Blacks Hmm. like this year. But all of this World Cup is basically just looked like once it gets past nine like these people have never met before. And I just, it's such a waste of very talented players. Like that centre partnership could be very good. Well, that Jordan Pattaya at 19, man. My God, he touched the ball sort of three times in the first 12 minutes from memory. And every time he did, it was like, whoa. And he did that. He he did the inside pass for Corabetti's try Mm -hmm. after Henry Slade got pulled out of defence. It's, he's like that, the, the frustrating thing about Australia under Checker is that they, you know, Checker can clearly spot a player. Mm. You know, he's built a, a good squad there. Like, and under no circumstance, you know, even if you'd stuck 
you know, Israel Folau at 15 in that match, it would have made absolutely no difference whatsoever. I had that written in my notes, right? Because there's loads of people yeah. saying, oh, Folau should come back. He's like, what? Yeah. So you think a different fullback would have solved the problems that you it's have the there, do you? Fundamental structure. Because actually, Beal played all right game plan. in attack. Yeah, he played fine. He played all right. It just, you know, ultimately, it was just a fucking terrible. The exit much... strategy was horrendous. Yeah, and they were beaten by a much better team at the end of the day and a much more fucking. Just a much more grown-up team. In exactly the same way they've been beaten by that team before. That's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. thing. Like this was exactly what happened to Australia against England in 2016. You know, one of the past five times they played them, basically, and every time they've played them since, it's exactly. And you would honestly think that, like, a coach. You know, Michael Checker's not a bad coach, man. Like he's a good like. There was a time when Checker was one of the most respected coaches in Europe. And and the world, after the I last World know. Cup, for example. The, um... Yeah, yeah, you know, he got Australia to a World Cup final when nobody fucking gave them any, you know, hmm. real hope of getting there. You know, he won... Uh, did he win a Heineken Cup in the end? No, he got to the... Um, he Yeah, he, he won a Heineken Cup for them, didn't he? He did pretty well the Waratahs and Super Rugby as well, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. But... I think the thing yeah. is, he genuinely believes this is yeah, how the game he, should be played. Yeah, he, he super thinks, with Waratahs. Yeah. He thinks it's the Wallabies' way, like... you know. But it's clearly the Wallabies' way that doesn't work. The Wallabies' way to like... lock, to losing, is what it is. Yeah, the way to lose badly against England over and over again. <laughs> like, I mean, whoever replaces him now, and, you know, there are various names flying around that... Dave would Rennie, be... I've heard. Dave Rennie, fucking hell. I mean, Oof. Dave Rennie with that back line could yeah. be pretty Because the forwards exhausted. are kind of sorted. They're all right. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean they're going to miss David Pocock. They're going to miss David Pocock, obviously. And they do. They could really do with the scrum off because Genny is gone. And I still don't think Nick Phipps should ever be trusted with anything ever. Um. <laughs> But, you know, Genny so, was gone you know, about definitely... 20 minutes into that game, by the way. Fucking Oof, hell. He did not he, fancy it he at all. Absolutely did he absolutely did. Yeah, he was just like, right, uh, I'm going to start looking for my new house in Tokyo if it's all the same to you. <laughs> I've got right, whatever the Japanese equivalent of right move is, I'm. Uh, yes. Yeah. I'm thinking about whether I want underfloor heating <laughs> when I'm walking six paces to the left before passing, <laughs> is, is where he was at, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't. I genuinely just think. It was a World Cup too far for Genia, yeah. even though he was weirdly essential to everything that Australia did because he's the only non-fucking hat stand scrum off they appear to have who actually plays in Australia, at least. But The thing with yeah, Genia, if he starts good... badly, he doesn't seem to be able to turn it round. I think if he, if he, if he no. starts well, he goes well, and it just too many mm. times we've seen that situation, really. But yeah, so... It's 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 where do Australia go from here? Because they've got such a good basis for a, a good team for a couple of years, I'd say. I think it's that. You need to get that coach get right. A decent yeah. coach and don't make too many fast decisions. And because that's the other thing, you know, the emotional e numbers after a World Cup is a uh, is not the way to go. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like they they don't have to worry really about a new coach until like what March, April next year. Pretty much, really? they'd like to get it sorted, but there's no reason to. So they can, you know, they can take their time with that. Yeah, they can take their time. They can do whatever. You know, it's 
they they could get the right person for the job. Somebody, and I know Checker said, "Oh, I hope it's an Australian next. I hope it's whoever the fuck they need to just." Yes. I hope he's not an Australian in many ways. I know they got burned a little bit with a, you know, with a Kiwi head coach in the past, but like, I just think you need somebody that is capable of having a bit more professional distance from what the Wallaby way, et cetera, et cetera, because you see it, you know, a lot of those ex Wallaby players from that era sort of usually start piping up around World Cup or rugby championship time and sort of saying how it's supposed to be and it's just you know it's no different to like ex-wales players saying how yes. wales should be playing the wales way and you know every country has those and i think at times michael checker was guilty of listening a bit too much to them and believing a little bit too much that this had to be done a certain way instead of just saying no you've got to fucking win that's what makes a successful rugby team that's what makes australia you know rugby in australia is in such a sort of dire position in terms of its financial, you know, financial situation and the supporter and player levels and all of that stuff, like they need to get this next appointment right, and they need to get Australia back to being the sort of team that Australia used to be, pretty fucking quick. Or, you know, we're going to be in a situation where the game in Australia might not even exist anymore. You know, I think those obituaries are written too quickly as well, to be honest. But, they are, but, yeah. but I think it'll be fine. I mean, these things are cyclical, aren't they? They've, like I said, they've got the raw materials there. They need to get a decent mm. coach in, and they should be generally, I think, all right. But um, hey, I'll tell you what. What about Eddie, Eddie Jones's Andy comment? Robinson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well the, well, the funny thing is they're talking independent uh, review, aren't they? So you know what's going to happen Ooh. here, don't you? <laughs> Rob Andrews will be on a fucking plane. He'll be on. He'll be in business class Qantas before you know it. He'll be in there, and um, and somehow he'll end up taking Raylene Castle's job. Yeah. And Martin Johnson will be coming in. There you go, Australia. Yeah, that's why not? Yeah. Just give David Pocock the job now. <laughs> why not? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did enjoy that, but. You'd enjoy yeah. David so, Pocock doing any job. That's your Alan Partridge-style pitch for a TV show, isn't it? David absolutely. Pocock yeah. does things. Yeah. No, I'd watch the fuck out of that, as <laughs> would we all. You know, <laughs> David Pocock changed himself to a wildlife reserve again. I did like, I did like Eddie Jones' <laughs> comments for the question about George Ford being dropped. Did you see that? No, for I didn't. the journalist, he said, and he, he said, and he says, I, I didn't drop him. I changed his role. He said, uh, "He said, uh, you know, you, you journalists need to. It's a twenty-three man game now. You need to get used to coming to modern rugby with us, because they don't get dropped. He just has a different role. I, I get, I get the feel that that could be kind of, you know, the it's not you, it's me for the Instagram generation. You know, I think it Are is. You finishing actually, with yeah. me? No, well, no, just... I'm not finishing with you. I'm just changing your role in my it's life. Role. <laughs> it's like it's it's." It's sort of like when somebody's hideously unqualified for a senior job but is too expensive to get sacked and, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. you get sort of moved sideways into a... Oh, no, I've been put on into projects. <laughs> yes, special projects. George George Ford was, was put on special projects this week and he did a lovely job. I mean, to be fair, he genuinely did do a lovely job because he, he came on and he job. fucking he yeah, kicked yeah. them to death in the, possibly, in the best yeah. way possible. Because he was like, like Look, these people aren't going to kick at all. Let's just kick to them constantly and see what yeah, happens. If they're going to keep doing that, lads, we might as well just fucking <laughs> let them kick the ball down there, will you? 
Uh, I mean, England, going yes. back to England, I think I was mm. very pleased with Henry Slade after a bit of a, an awkward start from him. I thought he did pretty well. I don't think we can overestimate how important uh, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill have become. If you oh, talk to me about the difference team. between an England team of, you know, 18 months ago and this one, that's that's what it is, yeah. really. It is. It's it's having proper fucking flankers for the first time in, well, yeah, five, yes. six years, really, let's be honest, and dynamic players as well. Did you say, and, and Sam Underhill is powdering of Reese Hodge when he came running back with the ball. <laughs> Maybe that's why they kept when trying Sam to put it through phases. So don't run it back. Play it around a bit. Every time I see Sam Underhill, I always sort of feel a sort of excellent sense of, you know, I told I fucking told you all that he was this good. <laughs> and when he's fit and when he's in form like he is now, like it's it is a sight to behold. He is an absolutely remarkable rugby player. He really is. He really is. Well, he's he's basically like Pocock in terms of like young prime Pocock in terms of his ability over the ball, his physicality, his ability to link play. But I think he's quicker than Pocock ever was, which mm, is the true. real scary thing when he's flying up at you in defence. And the, um, I mean, even Ben Youngs is playing consistently well. Not superstar yeah. level or anything like that, but just doing his job. He sort of, well, he, he stopped doing the fucking boom yeah. or bust thing and just gone, oh, I'll just I'll, I'll play within myself a little bit and that's kind of all I need. Yeah, and he's kicking pretty well and stuff. It's kind of like it's taken him his entire career to realise that he doesn't have to do it all, all the time. Yeah, maybe. But, uh, yeah, so so on we go to the semi-finals for England. Um, I, we're going to do a preview on Thursday, so I'm not going to get into that now. Mm, so, uh, pump, you know, watch this space. That'll be for we patrons only yeah. because we do previews for patrons only. Mm-hmm. Previews for patrons is sort of like a Toys for Tots kind of thing, isn't it? If you say so. Right, so... Yes, um, I do. Absolutely do. Chronologically moving on, New Zealand versus Ireland, Ireland together standing tall. <laughs> Ireland, Ireland will all take an absolutely fucking massive fall again in the last eight. <laughs> I mean, I they mean, were a fucking dick-fingered nightmare, Ireland, weren't they? Honestly, Let's be honest. New, Zealand will not, New Zealand will not have it that easy again in this World Cup. To like, be fair to whoever they play. imagine if that Wales performance against France had come up against that Wales, that this New Zealand performance, it wouldn't have been pretty either. I However, know. I know. it was a perfect storm of New Zealand going to New Zealand, really for the first time in about four years, and Ireland yes. being pretty awful. Yeah, and New Zealand basically just had... Uh, I I got the sense, and it was, it was interesting, actually, the teams that had had... A two-week break mm. um, really did look like they had. Well, the one thing with, with, with in... New Zealand as well, it was kind of well, they've not really had a proper hit out since you know South Africa nearly South a Africa. month ago. Well, how's that going to work for them? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's going to fucking work for Pretty them. Pretty fucking well, mate. Actually, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, but that, it, it's you can obviously they they didn't know how the whole who they were going to play, but they knew that it was more likely than not that they'd probably play Ireland. Mm. I think they they would they probably weren't that worried about how to play Japan because they're the only team in the world that can play rugby better like that better than Japan can. Um, and I reckon it felt very similar with England. England has spent two weeks going, right, how do we absolutely ruin these bastards again? 
and same with France and the same with with New Zealand. He felt like after everything that's happened between New Zealand and Ireland over the last couple of years, mm. so the last ever since that last game, they've basically been thinking, right, <laughs> we're going to how are we going to beat these? Because their defence was so, like aggressive to the point where I think that if anyone if they do it against a, a team that's slightly more expansive than Ireland, it will hurt them. Because the way that they're... No, I mean, Ireland's attack is... Out... Well, you can't really describe it as an attack. Well, not, not from the weekend. No. no. But you looked at the way that when they... The, particularly the sort of outside, like from the 13, the way that they were so aggressively wrapping around on the blitz and leaving huge holes on the blind side... Mm. Like you looked at that and just thought, hmm, if that happens against any team that's got sort of that's more inclined to throw it about a bit or to bring runners off the wing a bit more, or just more inclined to hold on to the ball, things like that, you know. <laughs> there is, I mean, there is that, but like you look at that and you think they've just basically gone, Ireland are going to kick it basically and rely on Johnny Sexton to do everything. So if we basically surround Johnny Sexton with people and are hyper aggressive in in his channel, then he won't do anything, and then Ireland will stall, and that's basically what happened for the whole game. Yeah, because and I think the and whole they dropped it on the floor all the time. There's that one New Zealand try that kind of summed up. It was a perfect picture of everything that wasn't right. Really, Sexton did his usual run around. Uh-huh. He then got the ball and he held on to it slightly too long because Richie Moonga came towards yeah. him. And he, I don't know, he just hesitated a little bit, which wouldn't have happened two years ago. No. He hesitated a little bit, held on to it that split second too long. Carney was coming up to do the move, ended up being too close to him and overrunning it because of that one step too many. The ball goes to the floor, New Zealand sweep on it, up it goes, they're in. And that just kind of, in a way, that yeah. was a perfect picture of the entire game. It's something left in there, yeah. It was, it, yeah, I just, I mean... <laughs> Ireland in quarterfinals, man. What can you say? Like, there was much talk about it afterwards, the... wasn't there? Even Rory Best was sort of saying, you know, it's does it weigh heavy on them? I don't know. I think Moore's made of it <laughs> when it happens yeah, because if I you think... think they probably just think, why is this happening? <laughs> yeah, if we could, I, there's probably a bit of if we can just fucking do like Wales versus Australia for all those years, you know, if we can just fucking beat them and we can change the conversation, you know. But yeah. if you look at Ireland. From January onwards, really, if not before, mm. there's been no form suggesting they were going to suddenly turn it around. Even against Samoa, which was a comfortable win, the forwards are very good, but there was nothing much else happening. So I don't think it's really no, about. But... They could. It wasn't really about a quarter final, really. I just think it was. This is just how they've been playing. I think. Yeah, I think that they had a couple of good results against Wales in the warm-ups, and I think but, caveat warm-ups. That got, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think as with a lot of you know, these warm-up matches, people got a lot more sort of excited about these things than than perhaps you should have and gone, oh, well, Ireland looked like Ireland again. And it's like, yeah, they did for a, li- for a bit, but... Then they lose to Japan. Not... They've... Then they, remember... have a, they have a very a sort of like perfunctorily powerful performance against Samoa. They made hard work <laughs> yeah. of beating Russia. Absolutely, no, there was not. There was nothing in it that made you suddenly think they were going to turn. Well, aside, it was a, aside from that, aside from that performance against Scotland, where they just they they Ireland oh, did true. it. Oh, true. That's true. 
And that was the moment we thought, oh, well, maybe they suddenly have rediscovered that spark because they looked like Ireland in that game, like the Ireland of a year ago or the Ireland of two years ago, where they were just incredibly physical and incredibly clinical and efficient. But it's basically evaporated after that game, didn't mm. it? And Well, it's kind of symptomatic of what they've been like for 12 months. It's been fitful. Yeah. The fact is, is that the... the and it's hard to know what to do about this. You know, they, they were at peak World Cup form two years ago. Yeah. 100%. And it's like, and it's difficult to know how you can manage running into form over a four-year mm. cycle. I mean, England seems to have done it now, but I'm not sure how planned that was. They just staggered, they basically seem to have found a back row and it changed everything. Do you know what I mean? And it's really yeah. difficult, isn't it? And, and when you look at it now, you think, well, actually, this team is a little bit long in the tooth. Is it you know? Oh, yeah. what, is the, it the, just that there's nothing that could be done about this? In in that, there was nobody obvious to switch in for all these players mm. at this stage, this close to a World Cup, and yet they it was probably a little bit too far in terms of their form and their age and their fitness, and it's just one I of mean, those things. I, I said it before, but I honestly think that like Dan Levy's two year injury nightmare has had more of a profound effect on Ireland's massive fall from grace than anybody else could sort of... Like, of the, all the players that were essential to Ireland suddenly clicking and becoming the team that beat the All Blacks and the team that won the Grand Slam, you know, it's... Or the team that won the Championship, I should mm. say, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it was him, because he was... To look totally unlike any other Irish flanker, he was kind of a cornerstone, wasn't he? Yeah, in his physicality, in his pace, in his dynamism, his work over the ball. You know, he was, you know, a player on par with somebody like Sam Underhill or on par with somebody like, you know, Josh Navidi, who's been massive for Wales over the last 18 months, you know, in mm -hmm. what he brings in terms of... And, you know, <laughs> Ireland have got plenty of good players in the flanker position, but nobody that does exactly what he well, does. I think if you throw Dan Levy in fit instead of Josh van der Fleer, it's a different thing altogether, isn't it? Let's be honest. I like yeah, Josh I just van der Fleer, think, I really do, yeah. but it's a different thing altogether. And I think that, yeah. things also, like that, plus plus this loss of form, it's just... You thing, yeah, you've, you have to alloy it to so many of those big, you know, in many ways, Schmidt's kind of iron tenure can both be summed up in positively and negatively in his loyalty to those Leinster players that he mm. got to the, you know, that won all those Heineken Cups with him, you know? And he, right until the end, he remained loyal to players like, you know, Devin Tone. Johnny Sexton. Oh, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think he gave one, that's almost, almost like he gave up on Devin Tone a little bit too late in many ways, you know, he yeah, could have done maybe. with Ireland's, why were they in the 60s? You know, why did do that just before the World Cup? You know, and Rob Carney still being the sort of the number one fullback option and you know, Johnny Sexton clearly not playing as well as he did a year ago, but sort of persist persisting with it when and I understand why he did, because so you know, with all rugby coaches they are you know, they're loyal and they trust the players that have got them there, you know? <laughs> and but there were so many fucking warning signs this season that Ireland needed to move on at halfback and at fullback and in some of their it's, other it's positions. How you, it's how you twist off. six months out, isn't it? 
Yeah, it's exactly. interesting because you compare it stuck to, instead of twisting. Yeah, you compare it to Wales. I think the Wales team's made up of nine players who have made the debut since 2016. Yeah, which if you look at that versus, you know, Ireland, it might be because yeah. there's more of a necessity in Wales. It's easy to say, but it's just interesting about freshening up. It's it's yeah, it's just yeah, um, uh, you know, he's not a bad coach, Joe Schmidt. He's got a hell of a coaching Absolutely team behind him. Not. And two years ago, they were talking about him being one of the best coaches in the world, which he still is. I just think it's yeah. it's it's a it's in a way it's it's an illustration of how a combination of circumstances can just fuck you really. And I don't yeah. think it's really it's about also... the fact that Ireland are frightened of quarterfinals. It's just they came no, up against a brilliant team with a t- with with their own team that was probably coming to the end of its run. And it's it's also a sort of a fairly kind of foreboding illustration of what happens even if you're a, a you know a, an island are not a bad team Ireland might have become a slightly mediocre team in the last year but they're still one of the best four or five teams in the world mm. and it's a, a sort of vaguely terrifying illustration of if you don't come at the all blacks all fucking pistons firing that's what'll happen you need you need that's 12 of your you. team to have or something Absolutely like that to have the game yeah. of their lives, basically, all at once. Yeah. As well as a, a, an impeccably coached game plan, which is what they hmm. had a couple of years ago. Yeah, exactly. And, and but I mean, I wasn't really sure what the game plan... Then we never really got a chance to see what Ireland's game plan was because they kept dropping it on the floor all the time. Um, no, and it, and it sounds like we're taking a piss. Well, no, it's, it's just... It was one of those games... That they yeah. couldn't get anything going and the precision was off, and then suddenly they were 60, 15 points behind, and that was the <laughs> yeah. end of the game. And it was amazing how quickly it happened. Oh, you know, it was terrible. Like, literally, Ireland probably made three or four mistakes, and it was 20 minutes gone, and they were 19 0 down. And it's like, well, that one's fucking done, then, isn't it? And then Ireland were knitting nothing together, nothing, yeah. little bits, but nothing really. Well, that's the thing. When you look at well, after twenty minutes, you've only really made three or four sort of error, you know handling errors. You've not nobody's done anything stupid. Nobody's fucking launched an interception. Nobody's fucking done anything no. catastrophically bad. But you've made three or four fairly sort of mundane errors of lack of precision or handling error or just a bit of sloppy play. And you look up after nineteen twenty minutes, and you're nineteen points down against the All Blacks in a World Cup quarter final. It's like what the fuck do you do in that situation? It's like we've, yes, we've done things that are wrong here, but we've not exactly fucking taken a shit with our clothes on, and yet, and yet we the stink. How's that happened? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, and yet the game is over. I'm We're not fucked. taking a shit with my clothes on, but all I can smell is shit everywhere. <laughs> shit, How's this yeah. happened? <laughs> but if you go back to New Zealand, if you go to New Zealand, it's. Mm. That whole Moonga, we've had a long debate about the Moonga and Barrett thing. I'm not going to get into it now. Yes. But no. what I will say is that if you look at their stats, they almost half and half shared possession between yeah. them. Moonga kicked more, but the run kick pass stuff was wasn't that different. No. It was just all. It's just. And they, it's they're, they're and basically it's playing just, with two tens, aren't they? Yeah, and it's and but in not in the way that most teams play with two tens, where one of them is the fullback. They're literally, you know, you never know where Bowden Barrett is going to turn up in that back line, and that from a defensive point of view 
must be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Because not only is he one of the most talented rugby players in the world with his feet and with his hands, but he's fucking quick. Yes. And it's just a nightmare. What do you do with that? Like, I, 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 watching it on, on the weekend, you know, and I do still think that he's better. I'd, I'd rather have him start as the 10, personally, and have a, a, a real fullback at fullback. But what they're doing in terms of just making it a nightmare to know where Bowden Barrett's going to turn up at any moment in the defensive line, because he might be a first receiver, he might be coming into the line. Yeah. And if you if you guess wrong on that, then it's probably a try because he's so quick that if it, a line break is usually, that's one of the things that I, I was reminded of when he was, when he did that kick through hmm. for the try, it's like any sort of line break or broken play where Bowden Barrett is involved. It's generally a try because the, the places where he ends up in, which is usually like 10 channel or, you know, that kind of midfield place. Or if it's not, it will be the phase after. Because he's, he's, he'll, he'll, he'll rag you so much, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's always a try because he's so quick. And it, players players that quick are not often seen in those channels. I'm clinging to situation. the fact that they can't play that well again. I genuinely don't think they can play that well again. They, I'm not saying they they'll play badly, they just can't play that well again. They won't have it that easy again, certainly. No. We'll preview in Thursday. Provide... So we won't get into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Jack but... Goodhue is a revelation. Brody Ritalik is from yeah. another planet, basically. Um, He's not yeah, of this Kieran earth, Reed. Brody Ritalik. Kieran Reed is B-A-C-K. <laughs> Fuck me, he was good. <laughs> For, I, I think he basically had listened to me saying that I thought that Kieran Reed had perhaps, you know, had his best yeah. days behind him now because, Jesus Christ, he was good. And not just, like, good in a sort of Kieran Reed doing all the unseen things well kind of good that he usually is, but a Kieran Reed. And carrying carrying with a ferocity and with a and getting over the gain line and just hitting people hard in a way that I haven't seen Kieran Reed do for a while. Like he was never that kind of eight. You know, he was the best eight in the world, but he was quite a sort of cultured yeah. appearing in the wide channels kind of eight. He appears to have become one of those kind of eights now, where yes. Just oh god! He's drunk a I mean, pint of Vunapola, and now he's ready to go again. <laughs> he absolutely has a bit. Um, yeah, as if as if they needed another good player, you know. Also, that just that whole back row unit actually Ew. is horrible, yes. unbelievably horrible. I mean, what what do you do with that? Yes. And then they got Matt Todd coming off the bench. He's an absolute bastard. It's like. I love Sam Kane. I could watch him all day. Yeah. Because <laughs> he looks like he's from the 80s, which is fucking ass. Yeah, and he plays like he's, yeah. he's played like he's from and the 80s And he plays well. today's game perfectly as well. Yeah, yeah. Glorious stuff. Yeah. So that was that. Um, we'll preview yes. the rest of it on Thursday. Ireland, honestly, I, I wouldn't beat yourselves up too much. It was just a you. shit yeah. day at the office. It happens. Yeah. And I think it was and the, inevitable. The is, and there are big build like. Andy Farrell's got obviously got a job on, but I think Andy know, Farrell Cat will bring in. a better attacking approach. Well, he's bring Mike Cat. Which... Even without Mike Cat, Andy Farrell's a pretty everyone. He's he's renowned as a defensive guy, but don't forget mm. the kind of player Andy Farrell was Elite. in both yeah. codes. You know what I mean? 
slow is what he was in yeah. the union. But and, uh, they've, yeah. and they've got, well, yeah. But and they've got you know they've got a great core and a great spine on that team still. Okay, yeah. they need a new hooker now, but like everybody else is basically still there. They probably need. Yeah. You know, maybe yeah. It's, it's not a bad team overnight. Not you bad, just, a couple of fundamental bits weren't right. Absolutely next not. Six, come the come next Six Nations, you'll I'll be surprised if you're up there again. Um, what, so Wales versus France, Josh. What the fuck were you worried about? What were you worried about? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely no worries. I mean, you were the one who said it was going to be a comfortable win. You should Iceland, have seen the preamble I wrote on The Guardian where I, I basically said did. that France were a total, complete and utter shambles. Yeah. It was so it was so scathing of France that one bloke wrote to me and said that my coverage of France was unbecoming of a Guardian journalist. I was like, <laughs> one, I'm not a Guardian journalist. Two, what have I said that's wrong? But anyway... See, now, people are but, saying yeah. Wales were lucky, right? People are saying Wales were lucky. I don't think they were lucky at all. I think they managed their opponent's incompetence absolutely perfectly. You can't be lucky because your opponents are fucking incompetent, especially when you can predict before the game they're going to be completely incompetent. In fact, I'm warming yeah. up now. In fact, you see, it used to be quite charming with France, but I think it's a fucking disgrace now that they are the way they are. Uh, yeah. It's disgraceful. I, it's disgraceful for their fans. They, I mean, they clearly, for example, they have, they've clearly not done a single fucking session of a scrum with seven men in it. Have they? Honestly, that scrum was a disgrace because that basically gave Wales the game. Like, yeah, if they got three, if they got three points off anything in that situation, even off a drop goal, and you know, with Cami Lopez on the field, that was on. He was fucking having pot shots from everywhere, <laughs> like. Wasn't a great game for the drop goal in that regard. No, fucking hell. Um, but yeah, I I completely agree with you that France, it's not funny anymore. It's not. No. Oh. It, it's not charming. It's not. Haha, the the French. Yeah, it's not insouciant, no, mate. It's, it's not. It's just fucking infuriating. Just they're just they're just bad. Like the things that they do with the talent that they have is unacceptable. They have a staggeringly good set of players there are good enough to be one of the best teams in the world comfortably. There are no bad, like there's no weaknesses in that team in terms of the individual talent. You look at fullback, you know, Ramos or, you know, Madad's 7,000 years old, but he played really fucking well on there's the weekend. There's a significant in... weakness between Vahaha and his ears. Yes, yes. But, you know, that pack is absolutely rock solid and full of bastards. They've got a good 9 and 10 combination. They've not got a bad 10 coming off the bench. They've got two very good centres. They've got two very good wingers. They've got a choice of a couple of decent fullbacks. And they've got, you know, they've, the players they've left at home would be starting for most other teams in this World Cup, then, you know? And the, the continuation of selecting that fucking Burke in the second row is just a perfect example yeah. of it because actually, how can you not analyse his performances and go, whatever he might give? And he's a strong, he's a big and strong lad, but he's not fucking outstanding. Lad, yeah. He's not a lock that you look no. at and go, he's not a retallic, is he? He's not, well, I've got to put up with his nightmareism because he's That's... like that look at how he plays. He's, he's a perfectly workaday lock. Yeah, he is an incredibly mediocre, like, well, not mediocre, but he's no, like. He's a decent international a, lock, a, however. A decent, yeah. When you factor in his <laughs> yeah. penalties and the fact that he is thick as pig shit. He's he's not a decent international lock. I joked when he gave his first penalty away. I jokingly said on Twitter that is one of his five sanctions, which was for round the fucking game. neck, by the way. 
Don't forget yes. that it was for going too high. Yes. And don't forget that seconds before he got sent off, he got pinged for another one where he'd gone around. The, the hilarious thing about the Aaron Wainwright thing is he is appealing because Bahamine has just tried to twist his head off in the fucking mall. Yeah, he's got his, fa- and and he's got got his penal- face all, and all and got, over his face. I got, got penalised for it. <laughs> and then as he's, as he's appealing to the ref, Bahamine has basically just turned around and gone, fucking shut up, you grass, and elbowed <laughs> him in the face. <laughs> and... I don't like fucking grasses, Aaron. <laughs> Let's just not forget that France took two locks to this World Cup, and one of them was Bahamine. I mean, I know they've got players that can play yeah, elsewhere. In... Gabriel was on but the bench, still... wasn't he? Exactly, but Gabriel, Gabriel got fucking banned for being a so shithouse before the World Cup. So it's I like... don't think Wales were lucky. France were expectedly incompetent. The fact that they were very competent for 30 to 45 minutes before that makes no difference in my eyes because they performed exactly as you'd expect. They lost the game because they are fucking stupid. And that goes from the players right up. Yeah, and the fact is that, you know, they've had what? They made the World Cup in 2011. They've had 100 Fine. years to get this sorted. <laughs> yeah. But they, they They've even had, nicked like... rugby league's fucking money and pitches in the fucking war, and they still couldn't get it sorted. <laughs> but when you think about the reality of where they were in 2011, where they made it to the Rugby World Cup final somehow, despite the fact that they were an absolute rank disgrace of a genuinely awful team that somehow just shambled their way through basically player power and ignoring Philippe Saint-André for a month to the World Cup final. After that, that was supposed to be like the right lads. Yeah. <laughs> Let's We've let out all out. the bad blood. Let's just yeah. get on with it. They then got dismembered in 2015 by the All Blacks. <sighs> I remember that. Do you remember that game? In a red kit. It somehow made and it worse. It, they were playing all in red. Since. They haven't. Yeah, it did make it worse, didn't it? <laughs> but I don't know like, why, but it did. Yeah. When you, <laughs> it absolutely did. Um, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I just don't. You look at France's record in in rugby world cups, right? It goes. Uh, this is really interesting. Like, there have been, you know, however many editions of the rugby world cup there have been now for. Eight. There's been nine editions of the Rugby World Cup now, right? Mm-hmm. The Francis thing goes runners up, quarterfinals, third place, runners up, fourth place, fourth place, runners up, quarterfinals, quarterfinals, runner up. Well, what's going to happen in 2023? Runner up. Runner up. <laughs> yeah. Every four World Cups, they're runner up. So, <laughs> so it's not all bad. You know. So, but the this thing is, is the reason why I'm frustrating, squad, right? You look at the squad yeah. they've got. Is, you look at and it's also at home, so surely. And look at what they've got coming through. They're under twenties, yeah. and what's been coming through are the best in the world. Yeah, and and you know, and the reason why I'm frustrated, right, is because I would love as much as I'm not French, right, but I think all of us, if our own team can't win it, we'd love to see France win a World Cup. Genuinely, yeah. I would. I completely agree. And I get so fucking fuming because there's no excuse for how ridiculously bad they are. And I think ultimately on Saturday, they were Sunday, they were ridiculously bad. Because going down to 14 men is one thing. In fact, I'm not sure that was the key moment of the game. The key moment of the game for me was an, was an Entermatt got injured. 
because he was uh, running. Yes, he yeah. was running broken play like a fucking maestro. Yeah, especially given that he's about twelve, it was quite an achievement. In- instantly, like Fran. Well, the thing that <laughs> and the thing that worries me about you know Wales going any further in this tournament is that Wales defensively shit the bed when teams start running at them with lots of angles and particularly when it comes from broken play when teams start mixing it up in terms of angles of attack on broken play they just are totally fucking lost at sea and that's what in the first half that's what Antimac was doing constantly was just (laughs) basically creating chaos and the Welsh defence shat itself the second that he went off and Cami Lopez came on, you know, solid player, good player that he is, effective player that he is. Well, the entire is. game honest, changed. Sort of... he, st- he did that massive yeah, fucking Yahoo of a drop goal that about two minutes of coming <laughs> on, which was a fucking... Yeah. He which then started tough. pinning... He then started pinning Wales back a bit for a period, and it looked quite worrying. He started dropping dropping well, the was, ball it in. It was sensible, yeah. But, di- then, but then you come back to their discipline is not good enough, which is unforgivable. No, and all, and but even when he was doing that, like if he did done that all game, that probably would have worked. But the problem is that you've got to be further ahead if you're France in that position to just spend the whole second forty minutes just basically fucking kicking for the corners. Adley Parks is not fit, is he? No, he's not fit not. at all. I'm amazed he brought Owen Lane out instead um, of I, instead of Scott Williams. Yeah, I think that. For however unfit Hadley Parks and John Davis are, um, Scott Williams is still like I've watched him a couple of times. The Ospreys this season, he is a mile off beating. He's not. It's not that he's not playing well. He's not. He's not playing well. But he's clearly, (laughs) you know, Gatland said in when he wasn't included in the squad that he couldn't even. His back problem was so bad that he couldn't bend down and pick up a rugby ball at the start of conditioning camp for Wales. So it's 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 just pain. So it's just international rugby ready. Yeah. No, like he's just about ready to play a sort of average, a six out of ten performance in the Pro 14. If you drop him in at international level at the moment, he's just going to get fucking killed or embarrassed. And I don't think Gatlin wants either of those things, right. to be honest. So there's not, a, and you know, the reality is there's not a lot of centres in Wales. No, I was going to say, next up the rank is hard to think, isn't it, really? I mean, I think I think Willis Hallahorn is technically qualified for Wales now, <laughs> and I would be fucking tempted. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, so the day God that explains it then. Yeah. Thank you. But um, and Owen, I'm, I'm glad Owen Lane's there in that because I think if he should he get I mean, a run out at be, any point, but it's um... going to be funny. Don't tell me it's not going to be funny because <laughs> you know it's <laughs> it's. I would. There's a real, a very real chance with John Davis. You know, they said John Davis was going to be fit for the game on the weekend, and he wasn't. There's a very real chance. Then we'll talk about this more in the preview, obviously. But like, a Owen Watkin George North centre partnership against South Africa does not excite me. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, I, not, not like, the word you would use, is it? <laughs> Terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, think Owen, Watkin, use, Owen yeah. Watkins a much better twelve than he is a thirteen. Um. And there's actually Honestly, I think he'll defend that channel like, better than Hadley Parks is a broken Hadley Parks is doing right now. It's not good, is it? I I think even if if John Davis is fit, I'd be very tempted to go home and walk in Hadley Parks against Springboks for exactly that because you, as you see, he just doesn't look 
he looks so laboured whenever he gets the ball as well. It's yeah. like he's running. He can't pass but properly, it's like can he's he? Intrigued, probably. His arms injured. No, Has he only got a some... knee and a, a wrist injury or something? So he's... he's still... he broke, he's broken his wrist. <laughs> I mean, that's not he good, broke... is it? <laughs> People say, look at the state yeah, of his passing. It's like, yeah, because his wrist is broken. You try not do an end-over-end end pass. Hand, but he's, he's, broken some, he's broken some bone in his hand right. or his, his wrist, I think. And he broke that in the first game. And... It's clearly getting worse, man. And yeah, I, 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 I think realistically, if John Davis had been fit, then there's a chance Hadley Parks wouldn't have started in that game. I hope so, anyway, because it's, it's just yeah, it's sad. It was it's quite sad to watch because he's such a cultured and such a tidy and a, such a doing the basics well kind of player, mm. and you could see his body just letting him down over and over again. The um... Tell you what, Aaron Wainwright, right? Let's talk about Aaron Wainwright. Obviously, <laughs> takes a hell of a punch, takes out an elbow. Good man. You know what my favourite moment of the match <laughs> was with Aaron Wainwright? Yeah. My favourite moment of the match was, do you remember that bit where he got the ball out the right touchline and he'd properly executed two sidesteps? Yes, and absolutely hit the burners. And you were like, holy... He like, went, he went out he in, so quick... in, out, yeah. in the space in of about three metres. And then accelerated. And it was like, oh, Jesus. Like, he's, like, yeah. I knew he was an athlete. I didn't think he had the pace to do what he did for his try, for starters. No. Unless you said, when he did the fucking steps and then just hit the burner. So I was like, Christ on a bike. Where's he, like, he's why hasn't he been be... doing this all the time? Imagine if Sam Underhill had decided to be Welsh and it was Aaron Wainwright and Sam Underhill. who <laughs> were <laughs> the future of the Welsh flank. Well, we can have it in the Lions, I suppose, not to get too far ahead. Sorry. Oh, no. I just mentioned the Lions. <laughs> did it, didn't you? You fucking did it. But, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for him, Wales would have lost that game, obviously. And from a Wales fan's point of view, like, Bigger and, and Gareth Davis both fucking stunk the place out in terms of their kicking game. It was rancid. <laughs> well, the fact that they kept kicking, like... It became very obvious after about 15 minutes that whenever Wales kicked the ball to France, what France were either going to do was attack. Even if you kicked it in touch, that wasn't good enough. They were just launching it back into themselves and going again, yeah. Yeah. Or if it wasn't on, then they were just going to hand it to Maxime Medard, who was just going to boot it straight back at him. And they they, they were literally just keeping on doing it until Dan Bigger put a shit kick in or Gareth Davis put a shit kick in. Or Liam Williams put a shit kick yeah, in. Yeah, and the frustrating thing was was that when Wales ran through their patterns, they had a, it looked to me they had a very deliberate patterns they were running where they were moving two short passes out from the rook and then driving yeah. into the line at that point. That's where the forwards were lined up. It was kind of off the second receiver. Mm. And a couple of times they did that, and then there was that one occasion where they did it, and then they moved it left quickly, and there was actually space, but again, they were, they were pretty imprecise, Wales, this weekend, weren't they? And it kind of broke It'll down. Jump. This that was about thirty minutes in, and part of that, and and I watched that, and I remember thinking, well, if you just keep doing that, that'll yeah. soften up that because the French defense isn't that well yeah. drilled. You'll soften up. The scramble's well. not that good. You just keep doing that, and then you're going to start picking points back because their the, 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 the discipline won't stand up to it. There's no way their defense won't yeah. stand up to it, and that's how you're going to win this game. And then they just kept kicking the fucking thing away. It, and it was the thing that it, it made me really genuinely concerned about. From you can people have talked about sort of the positive nature of the mentality that Wales showed in this game to come back from 
nine points down at half time and actually win despite playing fucking dreadfully. And, you know, people have said if it was England or if it was the All Blacks or if it was somebody else, they'd just say, you know, oh, well, at least they got the job done sort of thing. Mm. And, you know, the, the result is all that matters at the end of the day. But I I was worried. Looking at the comp- lack of composure from Wales at halfback and the lack of flexibility and the lack of reading of what's going on. You know, how many times have we said that Dan Bigger is the sort of player who could look at a game understand what's going yeah, on and know exactly yeah. how to solve it that's why you're he, here dan for christ's sake yeah and, may, and maybe it's a case that he was too fucking deep into it and what that game actually probably needed was reese patchell coming on at about 60 minutes to go actually i lads, said the same I'm thing when i was covering it at half time i said i'd be tempted yeah, to yeah. put patchell on because i think one he'll read it a bit better and two he's more comfortable operating in a complex environment yeah, I agree. I, I would have been tempted to sort of stick, given how bad things were going with Hadley Parks, I would have been tempted to stick bigger at 12. and That's a good still point. There. Yeah. And then they've got two kicking options, and then all of a sudden France's kicking game becomes substantially less straightforward. Or it's France's response to the kicking game. But kind of kept doing the same. And ultimately, they did get a result through more luck than anything else. Because it wasn't like they exerted huge amounts of pressure the pressure that they exerted was primarily as a result of things going badly for, you know, making mistakes and then France making their own mistakes. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you've just got to hope, really, that a lot of the issues that we saw at the weekend were primarily related to the lack of Jonathan Davis, because fucking hell, they missed him. I'm trying to weigh it up beforehand, it is, yeah. I mean, Watkin, I think, is it, well, can, has, has it in him to become a very good player, but he is not a 13. Like, he's not quick enough and he's not, he's got a good passing game and he's, he's like a very, you know, he's like a really good 12, but he's not a 13. And John Davis's distribution in attack and his organisation in defence would have been a huge asset to Wales. And I just got to hope, I guess, that that knee holds up. Um, it's that kind of outside but, drift that Davis does, isn't it? And then you don't know if he's going to yeah. pass. Or he can also do that step onto the weak shoulder, that weak shoulder step to yeah. drive to the line. Or he, can or he kicks around the corner. Off, like, he's, he just makes you, yeah. yeah, the big fend, of course. So, he's, yeah, he, I think he just keeps... Defences aren't going to be guessing that much. And you noticed it with the way that Josh Adams absolutely did not get a sniff. With no John Davis to basically keep them honest, they were just drifting out and giving Josh Adams absolutely no room to move her in at all. Or when they did work some space, as in that example I used before, it wasn't precise enough because there wasn't somebody with John Davis's distribution skills in there. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
No, it was uh, for a variety of reasons. He's if he's not fit on the weekend, I think Wales will be. Well, they won't be playing on uh, in the final week after. That's for sure. Moving on, then the final game, Japan South Africa. See, in the end, this felt a little bit like a Springer Spaniel being fed into a threshing machine, didn't it? <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, it, South Africa did exactly. They were about as subtle as a brick wall through a window, but uh, like, or a brick through a window, not a brick wall. I mean, actually, no. Yeah, a brick yeah, wall through an a entire window. brick wall whole, being thrown a through, a window. through a window. Yeah, <laughs> but like. I mean, it's really hard to stop. It's like, well, one of the one of the Japanese flankers after the game was just like, they're just bigger than we are. We can't get, we can't get big. What are we supposed to do? We can't get bigger. <laughs> and yeah, I I really felt for him in that moment because it it was sort of had a bit of a vibe of like, you know, the the year the year sevens being put up against the year elevens, you know. It was just that no matter how it skillful... It had that boot and... stamping on a human face for eternity from 1984 vibe about it is what it had. Yeah, massively. It's... However, <sighs> if points were awarded yeah. for involuntary, joy... involuntary joyful noises generated, Japan would be the world champions because that entire <laughs> first half, I just went, whoa, oh, 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 yeah. oh so... lovely. <laughs> and they absolutely did everything in their power to ensure that, like, to end, you know, they they tried everything to unlock. They really did, defense. didn't they? They really what, did, but it was just not enough. Tell you what I like about their their kicking their kick pass game didn't mm. quite come off in this game, but they've kind no. of done something I've not seen much before. You know, the, the cross kick pass. I don't think anybody's better than them at executing that kick into that space where nobody is. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, rather than doing that chip it's, it's, over into into where the bobby kind of sweeps up, they keep yeah. it wide and and it's it's just behind the winger, but too far away from the fullback, and it it never it didn't quite come across. off. But no, but it's a night like it's something that I mean, I certainly hope Dan Bigger watched the game. Yeah, I know he you know I know he had a hard day, but like <laughs> when you look at the way that you know. Dan Bigger's been very good at doing that sort of kick pass crossfield kicks thing, but you look at that, you look at the South African defence, and you just think, yeah, Billy Larue hasn't got the defensive brain to cover the wide channels out wide, and you know you'd have to be a very good fullback to get there anyway. And as you say, their wingers push up so high that there is space there, mm. and they were very, very close to exploiting it, but. <laughs> It's, it's, it was just one go too far, wasn't it? Was, yeah, it wasn't their day. And, and the weird thing was, like, the longer think, the longer they didn't score for in possession in other games, you weren't worried. The more likely it made it look like they were going to win because you couldn't get the ball back off them and stuff, and they'd score. But in this game, the longer it went on for it, like, this is just going to be awful. It does thing, and it didn't feel like in the Ireland game or in the Scotland game where it felt like they were holding the ball and they were taxing the defence. You know, Very it didn't yeah. feel like they were. It didn't feel like they were particularly like stressing it in any way. It looked good it and made you make big whooping bah. noises. However, it yeah. didn't look like. But yeah, there was no real like sense. That, whereas in the Scotland game, they kind of had their forwards had managed to get proper gain line. Apparently, you know, they'd managed to really get over the gain line, and that creates problems. 
there was just yeah, their I mean, props carrying in midfield. Yeah, there was the. Their props carrying in midfield against DLND was a completely different thing compared to carrying in midfield yes. against uh, yeah the Scottish midfield, didn't uh, it? No, and it really and it really showed. You know, no matter how pretty your patterns are, no matter how sort of exciting and brilliant your passing is, if you don't have that penetration mm. over the gain line, if you can't smash somebody back in that first tackle. Not well, there's not enough people on the floor, is there, for you to work to get your game yeah. work, uh, working? That's the other thing. Um, yeah. I mean, South Africa just get an absolutely magnificent example of a magnificent display of, of tournament rugby territorial shit housing, didn't they? Basically. Oh yeah, it was just it was glorious. It was so it was so more than one way to win a game, and God, God, did they yeah. show it? Yeah, <laughs> it's like yes. This is the absolute worst way to win a game, and we will now enact it. For and yet, simultaneously, the best way to win a game because we're going to yeah. fucking batter them. You watch this. <laughs> Get your cameras and, ready because you know, we, we're going to fucking smash them. We knew what was that. You know, we knew it was coming. You know, we the the six two split. Oh. all of the players. They, you know, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching it with my son. I was watching it with my son. Mm-hmm. And and at one point, when they sent Kits off and Vincent Cock on, my son went, look at these two coming on now. I said, yep. This ain't going <laughs> to yep. get any better. <laughs> nope. It's still bad. It isn't... At no point did... And that was the thing. It was relentless. Yeah. Like... And oh, they had to bring Malcolm Marks on after 20 minutes. Oh, no. What a piss. Oh, no. Yeah, what a massive <laughs> loss. <laughs> What do we make of perhaps the only moment of controversy in the game, i.e. the Beast yellow card? I think it was absolutely right on the way the laws are written now. Crucially, on the yes, way the laws are written now. The, yeah. Was it Labashagni did it too? The Labashagni. The interesting thing is that if Labashagni had not decided to try and defend himself, it would have been a red card. Labashatney yeah. went, oh shit, I need to break my own fall here and stuck his elbow out. <laughs> yeah. And that's what rendered it a yellow card. No. Had yeah. he just gone, you Labashatney know what, I'll just I'll just hold on to the ball and let him drive me head into the ground. It would have been a it would have been a red. <laughs> so I think yeah. one so the way the laws are framed, it was right. Two, do the laws need re-looking at so that, that in that action in itself is enough for a red card? Probably. Probably. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I don't I think realistically, probably within about twelve months, it will be. Yeah. But because uh, you can't yeah, be rescued from a red card offence because somebody takes like life-saving action. I don't think. I think that's just that, that's not in the spirit of what <laughs> we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, yeah. Some somebody fearing for their personal safety sort of <laughs> yeah. manages to adjust their body position in the air so that they don't break their Executed neck. Executed a judo-style breakfall should not save you from a red card. Basically, <laughs> exactly the, that. Yeah, the transgressor from a red card. Yeah. It, it that that feels backwards to me, but you know it's these are the very small margins that that the modern mm. safety protocols in rugby sort of make us work in, I guess. And to be honest with you, I mean maybe it would have been different if they'd been playing sixty minutes or whatever it was with, against fourteen. But I'm not so sure it would have been. No, I think that the physical all of Japan's that... snap looked a split second slower than it has done. Yeah, I I, I do. Let's not forget, Japan have been in camp since February. Yes. Like, 
that is a very long time. That is, you know, they might well be the fittest team in the World Cup, but event, you know, fatigue is a thing, and eventually, I think it was going to catch up with them. And I kind, I kind of feel that similar thing with Wales. Actually. Like Alan Wynn was saying after the game that you know they went to some dark places in that camp in order to sort of have the physicality and the Mm-hmm. conditioning to see the game out but I think you can also look at the sluggish way that Wales have started the last two games and think are they just running out of steam here have they not got a lot left in the tank whereas teams like England and the All Blacks and the Box certainly look like they've got a lot more pep and I think it was the same with Japan they just they emptied the tank against Scotland because of how important it was that they got out of the mm pool and had got to a quarter final I'm not sure that there was much thought given to what happened next no and, and I suppose why should they I mean they're well above par already yeah. aren't they but well, it's exactly. the, um, the or below par I always get confused when you're supposed to do that done better than people oh, thought they would but at the um, yeah I mean more than anything for me with Japan and I know it sounds a bit fucking fluffy and all that kind of stuff but I think it's true that they've made that, I didn't think I could see a new way of playing rugby successfully that looked like that. And they've yeah. kind of shown me that they can. Now, ultimately, they lost in a quarterfinal to a massive fucking shithouse of a team. But imagine if a massive shithouse of a team decides to play rugby like that, play rugby in, like in, that. Parts, in parts of their game. So if, yeah, and that's I mean, part, what I'm looking forward to. Part of it might be um, that they have... If you have, you know, South Africa, Japan are a small team, you know, in terms of their physical stature. And it could be that, you know, you play that kind of game. It requires a different kind of, particularly in the forwards, a different kind of player. Mm. But then sustaining it and sustaining it against the level of physicality that teams like South Africa and England and whoever will bring against you is perhaps... Is it one step? To, is it just yeah. those two things not go together? But I'd certainly like to see a team that has a bit more yeah, it about them. Be shit or buff, try does it. it. You don't have no, to play exactly. always can, like that. You can it's incorporate just, yeah. some of that into it. And the way they and, use their forwards yeah. in midfield and the depth they get on the runs. You know, there's no excuse other teams can't it's do just, that, and that's what I'm. That's no. what I'm looking for. Agreed. Um. So there you go. We'll move on to the, we'll have a preview of the semi-finals on Thursday for for patrons. So patreon.com slash blood and mud if you fancy getting hold of that. If you're that interested. Some people when I did the patron only quarter final preview last week, some people actually signed up to listen to it. So oh, thank you very I'm much. Sure. Still, I'm, I, I yeah, still can you, never indeed. quite get my head around the fact that happens, but thank you very, very much. <laughs> um, I hope you feel like you got what your money's worth. Yes. Was it all wrong? It probably was. But anyway, uh, shit. Yeah. Should we start with shit? Have you got any shit? Or are we going straight yeah, to the yeah. shit? Um, shit um, was ASICS, the Springboks kit supplier, not managing oh, to yeah, send them the right shit for a fucking rugby, rugby World Cup quarterfinals. So yeah, Andre Pollard and Lou Diaga were both wearing regular non-World Cup replica shirts because ASICS basically fucked up the supply. And they basically there were some batches mixed up, and instead of sending the Rugby World Cup shirts, they sent a load of fucking regular shirts. And so, yeah, it was it's the sort of thing that should not happen at a Rugby World Cup, and it was a bit silly. 
Andre Pollard, right? Is yes. The kind of playing equivalent of you know when you get chicken wings where the skin's just not quite crispy enough. So therefore they're not quite good enough, but they're not terrible either. They are. Do you know basically, what I mean? I don't know how best. I don't know like how best get, to put it. They're like when you get those, you know, you, you know, mozzarella sticks, right? Yes. One of mankind's finest inventions. You know, if you get the ones that are like cook at home mozzarella sticks. Yes. That you get from that you cook in the oven, and you cook them in twenty minutes in the oven or whatever, and it's fine, but like the mozzarella's never quite melty enough. They're a little bit sort of too. You need an industrial deep static. fat fryer, don't you, to do the job? Exactly, properly. they have been industrial deep fat fried, and that's based. That is Andre Pollard, isn't it? He's yeah. He's a, nothing wrong with him as cook- such. To... Nothing wrong with him as such, but no. But they're not. You know what you're missing out on, and you know that they could be so much better if you had the right tools. He is the home cooked, oven cooked <laughs> mozzarella of world rugby. Yes, he is. Yeah, sorry, I don't know why. I was th- I was literally thinking about that for quite some time at the weekend when watching him. So then. yeah, it's. <laughs> but then, what do you you know the the other what's the alternative if you're a South African player, you know, coach if well, you're Razzy Rasmus? <laughs> the alternative is a salad with custard on it or something, basically something <laughs> inherently. Exactly, yeah. What, I would, I on would the face of it, it should be jazzy, but it, it's like pineapple on a pizza, yeah. basically. <laughs> it should be jazzy in some yeah, way, I, and yeah, it's, it, it ruins everything. It's actually just wrong. Just fucking horrible. Yeah. I, I will t- I will take the oven-cooked mozzarella stick over... I think, as will know, every South African listener. Chariz- yeah, or a chorizo blancmange. You know, it's, it's that sort of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyway... This... The worst example of fusion food or something just put into your uh, into your oven. I know what I'm going for. Yeah. Right, anyway, shit. Tom Gorman gets in touch and says, shit, is South Africa the heartless bastards? Yes, that sums yeah, it up perfectly, yes. Yeah. Rodri Morris gets um, in touch. He says shit. that shit is all the teams who had shorter turnarounds doing worse than expected. Wales starting to look tired and injured. He said, also, shit is me using that as an excuse. He said, but it's good that we still won somehow. <laughs> yes. Fair enough, Rodri. It is. Um, shit, for me, was... Um, did you see Bordeaux, uh, Diaby, the Bordeaux player, going full hell in the cell with no, probably... I've seen, I've seen no domestic rugby this weekend. I mean, it. it's worth... I, I think I retweeted it. It's worth going and having a look because it is the worst spear tackle I've ever seen on it's somehow not the worst red card I saw this weekend you know somehow Bahamina wasn't the worst red card I saw this weekend because he literally picked a player up and smashed him head first into the floor and nearly killed him and then at the just the way you said it <laughs> but it, it's just it's like I saw it and laughed because it's like how the very very fuck do you think that that is it? Like you're gonna get? He sort of looked vaguely, like, sort of put out when he got red carded, as if he'd somehow like was hard done by. And it's like, mate, you literally look like you've murdered someone. <laughs> and and the, you're looking, you're shaking your head as you're walking off. Like you should not even wait for the card in that decision. You should just be like, yeah, that's me done. Then I'll I'll see you in. Three to six months, probably. 
<laughs> I've, I've got a video now. Um, Hang on, I can see you walking off, but they've not, they've not replayed the... Uh... Wait for always worth the wait. I mean, it's He's it's a big lad as well. It's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot a of force lad. to chuck you on the ground with, that is. Wait for it. Come on, you're just showing him walking off. I need to see what's actually happened. <laughs> His coach has just given him like a high five as he's walked off, which seems a bit disgraceful. That's the other thing. Oh, hang on. <laughs> I'm not, exactly. That is properly, that is a belly-to-belly suplex. That's what yes. that is. He's literally driven him into the ground and made his neck go at a funny angle. Like, that's genuinely could have killed him. And he's like, oh, well, fucking shit happens. And his coach is like slapping him as he's walking off. Yeah. Nice one, mate. Good it, good it. Like, <laughs> what's he doing? Like, at no point does he... Like, it's just... It's it's probably the worst example of that sort of thing I've seen on a rugby field in years. And, yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting to see what happens with Vahar Amina, actually, because it's a 52-week yeah. maximum for that kind of shit. 10-week minimum. So he could end up being banned for quite some time. Because there's no <laughs> mitigating factor whatsoever. He just decided no, to elbow no. him straight in the head for no reason. Yeah. Well, there isn't it's... ever a reason to do it, but there's just nothing going on there. No, there all. isn't ever. But it's like there's absolutely no mitigating factor. There's no bringing... Aside from the classic, you know, wear a nice tie, bring some biscuits, and... He can't even point to his previously unblemished record either, can he? That's what they normally no. do. Ooh. And so, yeah, I'd be surprised if he sees a rugby field for the rest of 2019, if yes. not beyond. Shit, then. Kai gets in touch. He said, shit, is Ben Skeen for missing the most obvious forward pass of all time on the TMO? Also not picking up Hooper, tipping Billy V on his head. That forward pass was ridiculous. I mean, to be fair to Gar yeah. says, just went, yeah, that's fucking forward. That's forward. What the hell is wrong with you? In his voice, the voice was saying, "What the fucking hell is wrong with you?" That is a I also, Well, I really, I really enjoyed. Uh, in I, I enjoyed Jacko Paper when he, uh, when he saw the replay of the Bahami. When he's like, "Yeah, I think you should have a look at this," and like, and he put it on the big screen, and Paper just went, "That's a red card." <laughs> yeah. As if he was just like, "Why, why are you showing me that?" It's like, you know it's a fucking red card. Just tell me it's a red card event. That's a flashback to my what game was it the premiership last year when when the when the, the, the ref asked the team whether somebody was in touch and he was about three foot in touch, three foot before the line. Remember the team went, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah, he was in touch. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. What, is this, what the fuck are you asking is he, this for? Like, but is he in touch? Yeah. Was he in touch? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, he was in touch. <laughs> yeah, he was in touch, man. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so Matt Cunningham's um, in touch and he says, shit, it's Joe Smith and the rest of the Ireland coaching team's timing. Getting Ireland to a position where two years ago they'd been the genuine World Cup contenders, but this year kept on losing important big matches time and again. Yeah, Matt, we agree. We covered it, I think. Uh, you know, not sure anyone could be blamed for it. It's just one of those things, I think. But Yeah. Um, shit, for, it might be a slightly personal shit, but honestly, I've tried my best to ignore the Pro 14 so far this season. <laughs> but... The Ospreys injury list and general squad situation is bordering on high farce and comedy, right? So this is the current list and seriousness of uh, Ospreys injuries so far this season. So Corey Allen and Keelan Giles both did their ACLs out for the season. Sean Venter, South African scrum half, who we signed, who literally finally signed two weeks ago. Uh, he's out for six weeks. Ben Glynn, who we signed from Harlequins because we didn't have any locks left uh, and signed him last week, is out until January. 
Uh, Dan Evans and James King are out until December. Harry Morgan is out until January. Luke Morgan is out until mid-November. And to put an extra cocked hat on that, all Wales players get a f- mandatory four-week break at the end of the Rugby World Cup, as they should do. Yes, now absolutely. that we're guaranteed to be around and for at least another week, that means that every single member of the Ospreys Rugby World Cup squad uh, is going to be missing for all four opening rounds of the Champions Cup. And I mean, your group's fairly easy as well, isn't it? I mean, your group's quite easy. Fun places are Saracens, Racing 92 and Munster. We might as well just forfeit the whole fucking thing. Osprey's taking the unusual step of naming an Alsatian at fullback this week. (laughs) I mean, I would say that I'm available, but genuinely, I want no part of that. Like I don't want to. I don't want to go up to Allianz Park and have Maroua Toje fucking rearrange my spine. For some lad from the youth squad, you know, you're making your debut, lad. Oh god, this is brilliant. Yeah. It's at Saracens. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> and you can bet your ass that, given the Premiership's slightly sketchy approach to player welfare, they'll all be playing. <laughs> uh, uh, what are we Shit, Matt says. Shit, a few people have sent me this over the weekend. So, thank you for sending me this. We've had a very early nomination for there's always there's always next year, right? Because Matt gets in touch and said, South Leicester RFC were beaten at the weekend yeah. 240 nil by Grom- Bromsgrove. They've been relegated. They've got no sponsors. The semi-pros have all jumped because they had no money and they left in an absolute mess, which is really, really sad to see. Yeah, it's shit. The result's not shit. The state they find themselves in is shit. However, as usual, we will make the point... South Leicester RFC, if anybody's listening, I am telling you, you are fucking heroes. Because still yeah, going out there and playing games on the wrong game. end of that is what makes fucking rugby a magnificent game. The fact that you're still out there with no sponsors and no fucking money, turning it up and doing your job. Well yeah. done, lads. South, South Leicester have conceded over 100 points in all but one of their seven games. It's, it's going to be an awful season for them. and the fact 100%, that gonna... but you're still the fact that you're still fucking turning up and you are still going out there knowing how badly overmatched things are and you're still fucking trying. I mean... Do any of you fancy playing for the Ospreys next month? That's all I'm asking. I was going to say, there (laughs) is definitely room for you at the Liberty if you're interested. (laughs) Uh, Mary Thompson Ross gets in touch. He says, shit, was Nigel Owens with his eat more meat, cows are great for the environment, blah, blah, bollocks. I'll be honest, Mary, I've missed this. Has he had one of his columns again? Is he talking about how vegans are terrible or something? I've got no idea, but I've got I, no I, I, idea. I wouldn't put it past him. I, tried, I don't I want to find out. To tune it, I try to tune it out if at all possible. Have you seen him in them? them... For somebody who's such a natural communicator, it's really funny how terrible an actor he is, isn't it? In those Emirates <laughs> adverts, those little Emirates adverts. Yeah, and stuff. it doesn't work, does it? It really doesn't. Graham Love yeah. gets in touch. He says, "Shit is." Scott Hastings is almost wanking himself into a coma live on air whilst achieving the full house of rugby values bingo in his end summary of Japan versus South Africa. It was quite remarkable. Oh. <laughs> it was like it was like a, a cliche-generated machine that was speaking in a Scottish it's accent. too much. Too it was much. so bad. Shit. Um, Drift, in danger of drifting back into uh, into domestic situations again. Um, shit for me is wasps, or more likely, what this what losing at home to London Irish with no players at the Rugby World Cup says about wasps' hopes for this season. I 
London Knights did dying. win their first game when they were back up last time, though. Don't forget. And they it did. all went terribly badly wrong but, after that. But it did, but Wasps, you know, Wasps haven't got Elliot Daly anymore. They haven't got, you know, they haven't got, any, I don't think they've got anyone at the Rugby World Cup. England and... got Elliot Daly. Anybody else fans are a fullback who can't catch a fucking <laughs> How are we managing yeah, the Winter Cup team with a fullback who can't catch can't or defend one on one? Yeah, or or really kick out of hand that well, or yeah. hit the line. Like, I'm sure that there's some blokes in New Zealand who've been looking at that and thinking that somebody's got to start exploiting that soon. Um, anyway, but on. we'll talk about that on Thursday. Um, yeah, I, I. How are you feeling, Wasps fans? Are you feeling positive for the season? Had, I didn't pick a few, but we did have a oh couple boy. of Wasps fans saying they're not looking forward to this season. Yeah, we've had that. Ooh. Uh, Dan H gets in touch, Dan Howells, and he says, shit, is Stephen Jones's collective name for Tam, Tom Curry and Sam Underhill, which, unless I've missed something, appeared to make no sense. So this is from his column. The veteran Aussie flankers, David Pocock. Should I do his voice? No. The veteran, the veteran Aussie flankers, David Pocock and Michael Hooper, though, have been brilliant. Yesterday, the new guard took over and left them behind. The Aussie pair have their own collective name, Pooper. Well, what about one for the Englishman? Curry Wood? Question mark. Yes, that needs some work, but there's plenty of time because they're going to be together for some time. Curry Wood. That doesn't work, mate. He thinks that That's Sam Underhill is called Sam Underwood, doesn't he? Underwood. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Curry I mean... Wood. I mean, it's terrible anyway, but... <laughs> And actually, no, you don't need a compound noun for everything. It's fine. No, you don't. We don't need. I mean, one. I quite, I quite enjoyed people who've been calling Curry, uh, Curry and Underhill the Tornado Twins because that's not at all inappropriate. Well, yeah, and the Kamikaze, <laughs> the Kamikaze <laughs> kids. It's like just fuck off. Yeah, yeah, but it's you know at least at least that's you know the name of some weird child superheroes in the DC. Expanded universe. Oh, is it? You say I would say you know more about these things than me. I do. The Flash's kids. Are they? Well, there you go. I was thinking typhoon inappropriate typhoon references, you see. But uh yeah. I mean that's yeah, when you're thinking about it, much yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's awful. (laughs) See we're learning from each other. It's like about this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. You see, me and Josh, we learn from each other. We learn in real time, yeah. Uh, right. Um, Any more shits for a minute? Oh, we just, oh, we just, yeah, oh, we just don't give shit nicknames. Just don't give shit nicknames. Just call the players by their names yeah. and express how good a player they are. It's really not yeah. that difficult. Yeah, you're not. Remember that you're not American. The only people who are good at giving sporting people nicknames are the Americans. All right. Right. They're really good at it. Monsters of the Midway, Legion of Boom, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, just leave it to them. It's never gonna work. What else have we got? This I've got. I'm done on shit. Have you got any more? Uh yeah, no. Let's do good. Good. I've got Jordan Pataya. We've mentioned him already, but woof. Fucking hell, yeah. He's got it all going on. He is gonna be fucking shit hot, isn't he? Dino might. <laughs> I mean, like, like he's nineteen. Yeah, nineteen years old. He's not even a fucking centre, really. Glorious. Imagine no, he's. He, He's a fullback. Imagine him doing all that, but in even more space. <laughs> yes. Shit. <laughs> Yowza. <laughs> there yeah. that Carry on. Enjoy that, Dave Rennie. Um, genuine uh, best thing of the weekend by a country mile, and the thing that 
actually won Wales the game that people don't haven't talked about hmm. is Justin Tipperick's fucking tackle and jackal. Uh, quite honestly, best thing I've seen this World Cup. He that a pornographically good example of technique. He was a he was a blue headed beacon of glory all the way through that game actually in a yeah. really filthy but, way, but he was yeah yeah. But particularly in the way that like that when France had that break that would have been their third try and would have fucking yes, ended it absolutely to just not only to get back and make that tackle inspect the gadget it back onto his feet and turn the ball over was just ludicrous. He's having. An astonishingly good World Cup. Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, Thomas Williams' rip, was it forward? I yes. probably think so, but well, there you go. Inter- yeah, it yeah. was very lateral. <laughs> yeah, nothing obvious. <laughs> but who did he, who did he yeah. rip it to? Tipperick, who then had the, yeah, the fucking quick thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, the quick thinking to fucking get it off quickly to Moriarty as well, so fair enough. Yeah. Moriarty, yeah, what a thing. fucking plum fu- that fucking bloke is, yes. by the way. Honestly, I love him dearly, but when he just came on and thirty seconds later did that, I was like, "That's why." When, when in in the pro, in the post match in the pre match press conference in the week where Gatland was asked if it was a hard decision to not pick Ross Moriarty and to start with um, Navidi at eight, and he's like, "Was a hard decision?" And he's like, "No, not really." <laughs> and that's exactly why, right there, like because Ross Moriarty dearly love him that I do. Has always got one of those in him, because that was just—it was as unnecessary as it was stupid. Because he lined him up from quite a distance; it could have easily just done a normal yeah. tackle. Yeah, could have gone much lower. So stupid. Instead, he decided to seatbelt him. Yeah. Um, speaking of Jacko Piper and bizarreness, his weird Jacko Piper's mime theatre approach to refereeing, particularly that bit where he called a turnover when France oh. had possession, put his hand up and his whistle was for a penalty and then changed his mind when France ripped it back and just said, play on. Like, I was absolutely losing my mind, I don't mind telling you, because... It's a referee's equivalent yeah. to doing that thing to kids where you pretend that you're moving your finger up and down. <laughs> you start crying. No, not really. <laughs> you've broken your it finger off. So, you know, you with your thumb. So, so stupid. What else we got? But, uh, yeah. We've got this good here. Catherine Kavanagh says that good is nothing. Oh, Catherine. Catherine is Irish. Yeah, fair enough. God bless you. James Gork Rogers says that good is Sinclair changing his line to make contact with Beale for absolutely no reason. In a Nelson Munt style, I'll just run into you because I can. <laughs> Sinclair generally, actually. Lovely angle for that try, by the way, before that. Lovely it was, angle. Yeah, lovely. He, I feel like he was just emboldened by how lovely an angle that was for the try, just to be a turbo arsehole for the rest of the game. <laughs> but yet keep uh, it, it was just quite, below was, the I'm going yeah, to get Simbin for being an arsehole level. So. Yeah, but it was genuinely very funny. Uh, Matthew Armstrong gets in touch and said, good is Vahamahina's contribution to Wales' successful 2019. Indeed. He said, Thank but shit very- is also the fact that some people still are saying that Wales are shit despite winning a Grand Slam, going on a record-winning run and getting to a World Cup semi-final. Granted, we're the fourth best, fourth best team there, but shit, we're not. Yeah, it's true. People do seem to very quickly want to jump on any excuse to say that Wales are shit and undeserving of everything. Yeah, I'm try. Really try. Yeah, Wales are meant to be the chippy ones. Yeah, I'm really trying hard not to be chippy about it, but it is notable how desperately people have seized on any excuse to try and talk about how 
Wales of frauds this World Cup. And it's like, well, we're still here, lads. Yeah. So. And we've got a centre who's been held together with gaffer tape, but we still managed to get to the yeah. semi-final. Yeah. And it's actually to, to sort of be more positive for a minute, you know, in, in the Steady. bit that's supposed to be Steady good. on now. Genuinely, genuinely good, I thought, was Steve Hansen basically refusing to talk about the game until he'd had a genuinely quite heartfelt tribute to Rory Best and Joe Schmidt at True. the end of that game, yeah. which I genuinely thought fair play. Like it was, uh, it's, I hate it when New Zealand are classy. Because it's like, yeah. God, did yeah. you just There's give it a rest, There's nothing guys? that they can't do. They just won like that <laughs> no, and now they're like, being classy. And... Yeah, yeah. it's like well, occasionally when they, you know, on the rare occasion they lose, they're usually really fucking gracious about it. And it's oh, like, oh, no. God, bastards. you're on. What else have we got here? Yeah, and, and to be fair, tr- tr- credit to Rory Best as well. Who's no, yeah, actually. A re- what a career. To still, yeah. be, to still be playing Test Rugby at 37 is outrageous. And, you know, while he's not always been his you know, usual brilliant self over the last 12 months, he's shown up enough in this World Cup to show that he certainly deserved a place there. Tiago Juarez gets in touch and says, good, a bit, a bit glorious and maybe a bit shit too, was Sinclair shouting Romain across the field. You see that? I didn't know. The, the scrum that. collapsed and he got ruled against Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. Or a free kick, I think, for something. Something happened yeah. anyway. Then Sinclair turned and looked at Romain Poit, who was on the opposite touchline, but on that side of the scrum, and shouted, Romain! As if to say, can't you see what's happening here? <laughs> see, I think he should have just been fucking penalised for that immediately, but Garces is soft as shit, isn't he? Soft as shit. When it comes he to is, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, having the we, brass balls to shout <laughs> Romain across the pitch is, is quite something. I've, I've, I've now got sort of, you know, a classic kind of Renault Clio circa 1997 advert <laughs> with Kyle Sinclair hammering on some glass shouting Romain, which <laughs> I'm into. I am into it. What else we got is good. Amra gets in touch and says good is every millisecond of the first half from South Africa versus Japan. Yes. Lots of lots of uh, lots oh, of noises. Uh, Rod Kimball's Tash gets in touch and says, "Good is Uje somehow putting an impeccable defensive performance together for the first time in his life." He's, he is capable of it. When he, he wasn't wants. being asked many questions it's, by that fucking Wales team, though, he was he, Rod? No, let's be honest. Absolutely not. Robert Donnellan gets he in did touch. That one interception, which was, to be fair, a brilliant read yes. and a great take, but it's yeah, yeah. Robert yeah. Donnellan gets in touch. Says, "Good was Yako Piper for making Wales think they'd had a pen and then doing his YMCA, and also talking other officials into Wales scoring. Looks like a try, yeah." He says when when <laughs> when the rip was <laughs> happening, then letting Wales take four minutes over a scrum when he promised no time wasting before that photo. This is good because I hate France, says Robert Donnellan. His Holiness Dalai Lama writes in as well and says that he said it was linked to this. He said that shit was my blood pressure and Piper's judgment off the field. On and off the field. What? Um, let's not forget, right, that Piper was also the guy who gave that feeding penalty late on in mm. the Japan game. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Then you've got well, this Wales decision under the post in the last five minutes, and then you've got this picture. What's he up to? He's up to something strange, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's, it's what you'd, you'd call a, a slightly alarming pattern of behaviour, isn't it? It is, isn't it? And what are we going to investigate now, of course? What is there to investigate? 
He saw some fans. He made a very bad decision to have his photo taken with them. Yeah, it's. I still don't understand what he was. Is he is he trying to be the new Nige? You know, I don't know what it is. I mean, the, a lot of people are sort of saying that World Rugby are out well out of order for investigating because you know arrest not meant to have personality and stuff. Well, he can have a personality. He could have had a laugh in the bar with them and refused to pose for the photo. Yeah. That would not have been yeah, unreasonable. Yeah, I'll give feature. it a rest, lads. Yeah, yeah it's like, yeah, yeah, I know, lads. Okay, fair. You, you carry on. Have to do I can't take a photo thing. because obviously, you know, I ref that game about an hour ago. Anyway. What else have we got that's good <laughs> here? It baffles me. It's like, I, 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 like I think I said on Twitter, it, I think it's both an incredibly silly thing to do and also not that big a deal. Yeah, you know? it can possibly be both yeah. things, can it? Yeah. Everybody yeah. calm down, but it, he shouldn't have done it, but everyone calm down. Uh, Ian Alexander says, as good as Kieran Reid, so many people have written him off, like Josh Gardner, for example, has passed his prime and he was an animal against the Irish. Yes, he was. He also looks into yeah. Peter O'Mahony's child's eyes with a terrifying glare that she will never forget <laughs> as somebody did refer to me on Twitter. His name, I can't remember now, so I'm very sorry. I'm nicking. I've nicked it and not given you credit, but I'm trying to give you credit. Uh, Trish Bronte gets in touch to finish his off. He says, good is the big man to little man offload and then try by Faf de Klerk was pretty spectacular. Yeah, that was the try after... It was, yeah. After the mall of misery. <laughs> the 40-metre <laughs> mall of misery that they put in Honestly, against Japan. That, that was the moment where I just stopped really, like... I stopped being impressed with South Africa and just felt like they were being mean. Yeah, heartless bastards, like, as Tom lads, Roman says. Yeah. Lads, this thing is already over. You didn't have to do that. You know, in a, he's already dead, you know? But from a FAF point of view, speaking of good, I remember in the first half when Japan, off the, one of the first possessions, tried to do what they do. And Faf de Klerk mm. just ran straight at the number 10 and ran alongside him while he ran his route. Do you remember when he ran, when he ran yeah, his loop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Faf just, like, really... just like man-marked him as he ran around. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. You think you can, off, you can offload it, mate? You can't offload if I'm waving no, at you, before can you? he even got the ball. He just kind of oh, ran right, alongside yeah. him. I'm, I'm and then was like, yeah, 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 see if you can fucking put, get this ball back now, you little shit. Sort of thing. It was great. It was so good. Like a, like a basketball marking. Yeah, which is a really savvy way of thinking about how you deal with that kind of well, thing going nothing, on behind not that far, the line, you know, the game line sort of thing is, yeah, interesting. Oh, it's been a long you wonder one, wonder if Josh. more teams will start doing that now. It's been Fuck a long me, one. Has. I just noticed it. Yeah. Well, it's a good job we started a bit early because we're a bit late. Apologies for that, everybody. Um but well, that's it for us. We'll be back Thursday for a preview of of the fact that there is a possible, very an outside possibility, I guess, that Wales and England could be in a World Cup final. Everyone, fucking hell! Oh, I but, fucking um, know. I fucking am not. But we'll speak to you about that on Thursday. Thank you all for your patience, all for your support, <laughs> and all for your wonderful ears listening to us. Take care. I'll see you soon. Take care. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.